The Republican health care bill the Senate is considering right now would devastate so many people and citizens across North Dakota. That's why I've been speaking out everywhere I can and why I've been offering solutions to actually improve North Dakota's health care, not rip it apart or rip it away. This is an extra helping of the hot dish. I'm sharing some of that work. Wednesday, I went to the East floor with a group of my colleagues to offer common sense compromises to improve our health care system. We should all want to improve our health care so it works better for families and businesses. And it shouldn't be a partisan effort. It should be a bipartisan effort. It should not be a political exercise. Unfortunately, the targeted solutions we offered weren't agreed to by the Republicans. But we're going to keep trying. Take a listen. The Senator from North Dakota. Mr. President, I want to make maybe some concluding remarks. Number one, I share the concerns that Senator Barrasso ex ex expressed. I hear from ranch families, I hear from farm families about the unaffordability of their health care premiums. I hear about high deductibles. I hear about, it, about how what has happened in the health insurance market has made it more difficult for them to cover their families. I hear it. And we've got solutions here that we've been talking about that could lower those costs. I would include dealing with people with chronic conditions. Reports from the RAND Commission tell us 12% of the people in this country who have five or more chronic conditions cost the health care system over 40%. Some of those people are on the exchanges. And when they're on the exchanges, that drives the health care costs up. But I have a question. I have a question for people who are advancing the Republican health care bill. Why do you have to give the richest Americans in this country a tremendous tax break to solve that problem? How does giving the top 0.1% of taxpayers in this country, over a $250,000 a year tax break, how does that fix the problem for my rancher? How does that fix the problem for my farm family? You know the honest answer? It doesn't. And I, don't, I, want, I need to understand how taking billions of dollars out of the Medicaid system, driving sicker, older people who tend to be the Medicaid population onto the exchanges into the individual marketplace, how does that help that farm family that we talk about almost every week on the floor of the Senate? That farm family, that individual who is paying excess premiums, it does nothing for them. This is all some smoke and mirror deal here. And what we've done here today Almost 15 of us came to the floor. And what we're saying is let's fix the problems that we can all acknowledge. That we have a healthcare system where really sick people have a hard time finding affordability. And when you put really sick people into an insurance pool, it drives up the cost for everyone. So how do we manage that? The, the insurance industry tells me that the average time on the individual exchange is 10 months. 
How do you take someone with five chronic conditions and manage them in a 10-month plan? You know what? You don't. And so they hop from plan to plan, costing more and more. If you want to reduce costs, you have to figure out how we can better treat the sickest among us. And until we do that, we won't achieve the common goal, which is reducing and bending the cost of health care in this country. We cannot achieve that goal. And when all we're doing is saying, no, we don't want to pay, we're going to make the states pay, or we're going to make people on the individual exchange pay, or we're going to make people do what, uh, you know, what, what they've done before, which is not have coverage, and put them into uncompensated care, that will not solve the problem. We have some great examples here for the immediate concern that we have about the premiums that are going to be expressed. And this is in some ways reflects concerns about the increased cost of health care and what's happening in that individual market, but it is being driven by the failure to fulfill the statutory obligation. Reinsurance, cost sharing. You know, I, I, I do have to point out that I found it interesting that the objection to Senator Shaheen's bill was that, oh, we, we haven't had time to take a look at it. Haven't had time to even consider this cost-sharing issue. Really? This is the last page of the Republican bill. Page 145, stating in section 208, funding for cost-sharing payments. Now I'll give you, it's a different schedule, different formula in the Shaheen bill, but this is not a new concept. If we wanted today to give the insurance industry the certainty that they needed that would make sure that the premium increases reflected not uncertainty, but reflected actual costs, we do this. We, we take Gene's bill up. And so when, it's, when, when the very bill that the Republicans have advanced says there's appropriated the secretary to the Secretary of Health and Human Services out of any money in the Treasury not otherwise appropriated, such sums as may be necessary for payments for cost-sharing reductions authorized by the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, including adjustments to any prior obligations. Same provision was in the House bill. So how can it be objectionable to have a debate about a provision that's been advanced in both Republican bills? How can that be objectionable when so much is riding on that? when the health care and availability of insurance to our families is riding on making sure that we at least have some kind of stopgap measures in the exchanges that will guarantee a, a stability that will make insurance available. If we don't know what's going to happen with those counties, we know we have huge counties that don't even have um, an insurer in them. Senator McCaskill offered an oppor opportunity. Guess what? How about we, they get their insurance where our staffs get our insurance, where some among us get our insurance? And that's objected to because of some kind of Washington solution. What is ironic about that is that provision that made Senate staffs in, in my home states get their health insurance on the D.C. exchange came from Senator Grassley during the debate on the Patient uh, uh, Protection and Affordable Care Act. Not a Democratic idea a Republican idea, and certainly something that bears at least a discussion. Certainly something that ought to be talked about here. So let's not pretend that there's been an, uh, an outreach 
to um, people on the Democratic side. Today, the uh, Democratic leader offered to go to Blair House, offered to go to uh, bring, bring people together at Blair House, have a sit down on health care, offered to go to the Senate, the old Senate, no cameras, let's talk about health care. And what we get is, you're not serious. I want you to know I'm dead serious about sitting down and trying to fashion a health care plan that actually fixes the problems that we have right now in affordability of health insurance. And when, when someone says, well, you have to accept tax breaks as part of that for the richest Americans, think about this. 400 Americans will get a tax break under the Republican bill. 400, just 400 Americans will get a tax break under the Republican bill equal to what it would cost for uh, Medicaid expansion in four states. Make no mistake, this is not health care reform that we're talking about. That bill is not health care reform. It is entitlement reform in Medicaid, shifting costs to states and patients. It is tax reform, making sure that the wealthiest among us get a tax break. And if we want to talk about health care reform, if we want to talk about fixing the ACA, let's not throw out what's working. Let's make sure that we're fixing and addressing the problems that we hear expressed every day that come in our mail and that we know we have to address in order to make the system fair. And that is younger, healthier people need a break. They need to find an affordable product. And how are we going to do that? We've seen ideas here today. Ideas that could take care of, even if we just, we just made them temporary. Even if we said this is only going to be there for, for uh, until 2019. We could stabilize all of this today and begin that debate. But yet it's subjected to. So I think the message um, that we want to send is we stand ready to fix the health care system. We stand ready to work with the opposite, uh, with the other side of the aisle. We stand ready to address the concerns that we hear from our constituents about the health care system. And uh, if, if, if we really want to respond to the concerns that the American public has about the United States Congress, we better start working together. We better start finding a path forward to solve problems, real problems, not pretend problems, but real problems in this country. That way, we will, in fact, enrich and enhance our democracy. But until we do that, we continue to struggle to get credibility with the American public. And that is not, ladies and gentlemen, members of the Senate, that is not a formula for success for our democracy. With that, I yield the floor. Moments ago, I went to the Senate floor to share stories of North Dakotans who would suffer if the Republican Senate health bill passed. Here's a short clip. Finally, I want to talk about Francis. Francis um, is one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. For 25 years, she was a third grade teacher in Fezzanen. When she was 21 years old, while she was teaching, she was diagnosed with a syndrome that affects her nerve endings in her body. She became paralyzed, but taught herself to walk again. For the rest of her life, she had to face the challenges that come with this disorder. 
Today, Fran can't walk anymore, and she's been in a wheelchair for the past 24 years. For most of her life, Fran lived independently with her husband, who passed away in 2000. But in the past few years, she's reached a point where she needs full-time care. She's now 84 years old. She lives in a nursing home in Harvey, where she's been there for four years. Fran has been in and out of nursing homes a few times beforehand, all which required private pay. Because of the extreme cost, Fran doesn't have any money or savings left. She spent it all on her health care. Now she's the one of many seniors on Medicaid, which enables her to afford the quality long-term care she needs to live with dignity and support. At the nursing home, she gets extensive assistance in bathing, dressing, and doing any activities. Fran just doesn't know what she'd do without Medicaid. She is married but doesn't have any children to help her. Her siblings are all older than she is, and they wouldn't be able to provide her with the level of care she needs. If it weren't for Medicaid, Fran, she'd be out of options. Senate Republican bill again threatens the coverage that Fran has, and so many others rely on. But you know what? We cannot let that happen. This issue has many faces. These are just three North Dakota faces I want to talk to you about. They, these families aren't interested in politics. They could care less about politics. They want the ability to take care of themselves. And if not for any of us, there, there's, there's no guilt to any of these conditions. There's no, there's no, you know, you did it to yourself to any of these conditions. This is the human condition. And we have to decide as a country, are we together in taking care of each other or are we all on our own? That's the issue here. How do we take care of the sickest among us? Are we together or are we on our own? I believe that we are stronger when we stand together to provide care to each other, to those who are not as fortunate. You know, I was talking to some of the families, and, and it's hard when you're a mom, I think, um, to think about, well, you know, what was your life with your child growing up? Well, I had two children, born extraordinarily healthy, really barely missed a day of school. They were so healthy. Had an opportunity to engage in every level of activity, um, giving me and my husband the freedom to um, pursue other things in our life. That's a gift. But it's also a gift that we as society can help those who don't have that level of good fortune, but have children who need some special attention, children whose care you cannot afford on your own. Very, very few people, from the discussions I've had with so many of the families, very few of us could ever afford the medications, could ever afford the therapies that guarantee quality of life, not only, not only for the child, but for the family in terms of respite care. So Allison, Emery, and Fran, we're going to keep talking about this. And we're going to keep evaluating all the proposals that come our way. And when they don't do right by you, Emery, Allison, and Fran, when it's not the right solution for your family, it's not the right solution for North Dakota, and it's not the right solution for this country. And so um, 
we have, we have work to do. And I know the presiding officer has been one of the leaders in analyzing and reviewing these bills. We've had a chance to have some discussions. I hope we will have further discussions about how do we continue to uh, care for these wonderful North Dakotans, and I'm sure people who live in your wonderful state of Louisiana, you know story after story, having been a physician. My husband can tell you stories after stories um, being a physician of people who are challenged. But we all have to decide, in this system of health care, do we stand alone or do we stand together? And I believe America is stronger when we stand together and that we help each other. I hope you enjoyed this extra helping of the hot dish. <laughs>